Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Sticks in the Six. I'm Andrew Forbes and I'm with Peter, my co-host. Peter, how's it going today? Doing really good. Doing really good. Um, again, I'm, my life is kind of boring, so I really don't have anything interesting to talk about other than the dentist story from last week. But yeah, I'm yeah, just trying to get by with this pandemic thing. Still, I know we're obviously you know still within that, but hopefully things could get back to normal very soon. How are you doing, man? I'm doing uh, wonderful. You know, a nice early start to the morning, 6 a.m. Uh, my little guy uh almost 15 weeks old now decided he didn't want to go back to sleep after his uh morning feed so uh nice early morning for me and uh what better way to get it started than to uh you know throw some sports on talk some hockey with uh with you and uh get this show going couldn't ask for a better like you know like couldn't ask for anything better time management wise than i guess right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) Um, so yeah, let's just uh, we'll kind of get into the hockey news right off the right off the uh, Getty up here or Getty up here. Um, busy week. Busy week. Lots to talk about. Yes. Um, obviously, you know we don't want to be a political podcast in any way, but I think it uh, we wouldn't be doing our due diligence if we didn't open it up with, um, you know the the Black Lives Matter movement and. Uh, you know, kind of what's going on in the States and its impact on sports. Um, Obviously, we saw stoppages in all major sports leagues. Uh, The NBA kind of led the the, uh, charge. Mm -hmm. NHL a little bit late to the party, uh, according to some. And, uh, you know, they took a two-day hiatus before they returned last night. Um, What are your thoughts on this? And... You know what? What are your thoughts on the on the whole movement? I mean, first off, I fully commend on the Bucks leading the charge of like walking out, but also the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics for you know getting the com- conversation started in the wake of um, Jacob Blake's um, uh, shooting, where he got seven, shot seven times in the back. I mean. Much like the rest of the players of the NBA, MLB, NHL, action has to be taken right now. Change has to happen, and I'm kind of in the. I'm gonna reiterate some of what like most of the players are saying. Enough is enough. I mean, in the span of six months during this whole pandemic, there have been multiple videos on social media of like black men getting murdered right before my very eyes, and it just makes me sick to my stomach right now that you know this is still an ongoing thing i mean like it's been going on for hundreds of years martin luther king like 57 years of the day you know on friday i believe there's another march we're witnessing history with that and now the fight is still going on and we have to make an impact right now all of us like we have to do our part and seeing what the organizations or what the leagues are doing to try and combat, you know, systemic racism and try and achieve social justice. It's a good start and we need to keep going. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talk about it a lot. I think there's been a lot of uh, conversation about it, um, but I don't think it stops here. I think, you know, we, we, as journalists, as uh, you know, um, the athletes out there, 
we got to con- we have to continue the conversation. Otherwise, we're going to be in the same spot another 100, 200 years from now, and that's that's not where we want to be. We want to we want to see growth. We want to see uh, you know education reform um, for sure. You know, there it, it it like you said, it's systematic. There at a certain point, we have to start from the top and work our way down. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there there's there's way too much uh, room for acceptance right now. And uh, you know, I, I I don't think I think you know the conversation is is great. Um, I do I do like the the stoppage in play for the couple days from all leagues, um, just to kind of set the tone. Um, I do think that getting back to it is also a big move for them because it gives them that option to play, to um, still have that voice and have that platform and, and um, you know, promote the movement, promote the conversation, both in pregame, postgame conversation, um, on the court, on the, on the ads, on the side of the boards, all that, all that stuff is so important. Um mm-hmm to continuing the conversation and uh you know i i don't think it stops here it's not even close to being where we where it needs to be um and, and i think you know even even as a small time podcast like we are at the moment um you know even just having that conversation and opening up the door to um you know being understanding and trying to trying to you know just walk in walk in the shoes of of other people and and understanding you know what goes on on a daily basis um you know that's so important i think we need to continue that conversation and and uh, hopefully take the right steps in in getting to where we need to be for sure and yeah like you said before the nhl is a little late to you know they had an opportunity after the flyers islanders game because uh the Bucks walked out during that game, but for the Boston Tampa game, Colorado, um, Dallas game, they had an option a little late, but what stood out the most is seeing the players realize that, you know, action needed to be taken and seeing that image of Ryan Reeves, Nazem Kadri, Pierre Edward Belmar, seeing them at the forefront and seeing everyone behind them. That's that image is worth a thousand words. The image of like the players kneeling in basketball, the image of like you know, um, I can't I can't remember the baseball game, but players walked out for 42 seconds. or remembrance of Jackie Robinson left the field and put a Black Lives Matter T-shirt over home plate. Those are strong messages. Those images are worth a thousand words, and that's what we need to do. I mean, we need to keep this going forward. I mean, this all started with Colin Kaepernick in 2016. And I, since then, I've taken the time to at least understand why they took a knee, why they continue to do so, and what we need to do going forward, because they've had it. They've had enough. And at this point, so have I, and so should everybody else. Because of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many more before them, it's, again, enough is enough. When it continues to happen and people don't listen and learn from it, it becomes more magnified and this movement in all leagues sports are coming together and we should too. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it, it's all about educating yourself. Um, mm-hmm. We can, we can say we understand, but until we, we as a community, as a society educate ourselves, 
we're not putting we're not doing our due diligence in, in understanding what's going what's really going on. Yeah. And a lot of the time people are saying, oh, politics shouldn't come into sports. You know, this isn't about like, you know. Renaming like a park or like, you know, doing a ribbon cutting ceremony to promote your like political image and stuff like that. This is about human rights and giving people the respect that they should be given. I mean, ever since I was a kid, my parents always told me to respect everyone growing up. And it's it's still difficult to see that some people still don't see it that way. It really is disheartening. And I. It's just, again, enough is enough. Yeah. Like, how long are we going to like keep saying that? Yeah, where 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 do we draw the line of acceptance? And that's I think that's the biggest problem right now is is like I mentioned, it's it's way we're way too accepting of, you know, what goes on around the world, and it just at at a certain point we have to draw the line and we have to say, you know, like you said it, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's make a change. Let's let's it, it's human rights. It's not it's not about one versus the other it's it's every person deserves um the same equality the same respect the same understanding the same you know space in the world to to do what they need to do and i think sure. uh you know we don't we don't uh we haven't seen enough change um and you know i think we need to continue to have that conversation and and just kind of going off of that and i know it's not it, it it's not hockey related per se, but, um, you know, obviously played Jackie Robinson in the, in the film 42 and, yes. uh, lost, a lost, a a very good actor in, in Chadwick Boseman, um, mm-hmm. this week. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of talk about what he did for the black community and, uh, the roles he played, even, even struggling with his battle with, uh, with cancer and, um, obviously gone way too soon but uh a, a true life a, a real life uh superhero and um you know definitely a guy that uh will, will be missed in, in in the acting community and uh obviously in the sports community as well yeah no um honestly i was really excited when the film black panther came out and he was absolutely phenomenal phenomenal in that movie and I was just in absolute shock. Like, it came as a total surprise. He kept this private for four years. I mean, how, as, a, as an individual, how, like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how, like, you had the strength to do that. You know? I, yeah. It's yeah, just, it's, 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 you can't put words around it. And he did it filming God knows how many action movies for Marvel, you know, 42 and everything like that. It's it's mind boggling. But at the same time, he was like you said, he was a real hero outside of the filming industry. And, and, And again, it's painting. It's really like tugging at my heartstrings right now because, again, it was so sudden. No one expected that. And I like seeing yesterday. All the comments, all the like, you know, tribute videos, especially the like one of the final scenes from Avengers Endgame. Uh, T'Challa, Black Panther was the first one to emerge in the fight against that um, Thanos, right? Yeah. So seeing that, it just like, ah. 
Yeah, I think yeah, one, of the, I, one of the clips that really got me was when he was uh, speaking at that press conference where he uh, was talking about, you know, letters he had, had exchanged with, with uh, two young kids and mm-hmm. they had missed out on the opportunity to see um, uh, Black Panther before they had passed away. Um, and just the emotion that was on his face and, and everything that he was kind of going through in that uh, in that instance and, you know, to know that he was he was battling with his own his own uh, his own fight struggle. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just you know that was that one's one clip that just really got got me and you know, like I said, I think you know gone too soon and and uh, you know, I, I I don't know what else to say. I, I it's just it's been a tough year. When something sudden like that happens in a year where so much has happened, breaking point right now, and just say, okay, can we have like New Year's Eve right now, just so yeah. we could end this, you know, horrible, crappy year? Like, let's have like, a start so over. Much, so much has happened. Like, we thought that, like, even like one year, like, I think we were joking that 2017 was bad. Oh, can't wait for 2018. 2019 was bad. Can't wait for 2020. I want to say I can't wait for 2021, but I don't know what 2021 is going to hold, but it can't be as bad as this year. No, no, it definitely cannot. Um, diving it back into hockey and back into sports here, we do have a little bit of news to run through before we get into uh, an interview that we got this week. Um, mm-hmm. We have our first guest on the show, uh, Owen Sound Attack prospect and 37th overall pick this year, Gavin Bryant. Um, so we'll get to that a little bit later, but, uh, just kind of running through the news here. Um, quick on Claude Julien says he's going to be back next season. Uh, yes. good for him. Happy to hear it. Obviously somebody who's, you know, had his own, his own battles this, this, uh, this past couple weeks. And, uh, mm. you know, it will be good to see him back behind the Montreal bench. Yeah. I mean, okay. Leafs have a re- Habs rivalry aside. I'm absolutely thrilled that he is back. Like, this is the one bright spot out of this whole entire year where, you know, something good is coming out of it. I mean, I'm glad he's doing some—I'm glad he's doing great. Extremely glad he's going to be returning to the bench. Um, he's an essential figure in hockey. And like I said, we needed some good news because it's just been a really dark year. And I'm glad he's recovered and he's making that commitment to returning because he's a real, he's a real fighter. And he wasn't going to go down easy. And to see him come back, that just proves his like true character as a, as a person and as a coach. Yeah, and like you said, uh, rivalry aside, um, you know, one of the better coaches still in the game right now. And uh, you know, you never want to see anybody have those those types of health issues. So it'll be good seeing him back. Kind of going off that same note. Um, Tucker Tynan of the Niagara Ice Dogs, the OHL, released a message that uh, to hit to fans that he will be back next season. He's looking forward to making his return after a freak accident against the London Knights last year. Um, Tynan almost uh, almost lost his lost his life. Um, obviously, a scary moment for him, scary moment for his family, his friends, the Ice Dogs organization. Uh, great news that he will also be looking forward to uh, getting back next season on the ice. For sure. Yeah. He like, I remember when they just like, I was watching that 
or TSN, they actually made that like one of the like headlining like bits of news that they went to. And seeing that just reminded me of Richard Zenick's Skate to the Neck, you know, and seeing that incident reminded me of the whole Clint uh, Mallerchuk thing where he almost lost his life with a skate coming up to his neck. And obviously this was his leg, but it's still like seeing the amount of like fear and panic on the ice and everyone coming in to help a 17 year old kid at that. Like he had his whole career to look forward to. I mean, I can't imagine suffering a horrible and gruesome injury like that at that age. It was absolutely horrifying, but Seeing a sad video of him on the ice, you know, doing some training, uh, basic blocks on the ice from the Niagara Ice Dogs, I'm, I'm glad he's back. It's truly harrowing, and when you see something like that, you automatically think worst-case scenario, but he's come out of it, and he's doing great, and that's all you can ask for right now. Yeah, I know, and it'll be good for the Ice Dogs as well. Uh Obviously, Tucker Tynan was uh, off to a great start last year prior to the injury. And, uh, you know, this kid's got a bright future ahead of him in the OHL and and I think moving forward past that. So, uh, like you said, it's great to see him back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a a kid that, uh, you know, is chasing his dream and you never want to see somebody go down like that. So uh, for him to come back, it's going to be big for him. It's going to be big for the Ice Dogs. And uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do this coming season. For sure. Um, again, going off of a little bit of darker news. Um, I don't know if if you know much about this guy, but uh, Mark Sertic, the mm-hmm. Guinness World Records oldest hockey player, died on Monday. Um, he had complications from a stroke. Sertic was 99 years old, and this guy was still defying odds <sighs> by you know getting on skates. Um, getting out on the ice, playing hockey, obviously had a love for the game. I mean, how how incredible, how cool is this, um, you know, to, to have a guy like that and, you know, just uh, a sad thing to see him pass, obviously. And, uh, you know, World War II veteran. And, you know, for, for those who don't know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm huge when it comes to, to, to supporting veterans. My grandfather mm-hmm. was a prisoner of war after the uh, raid at Dieppe, so... Um, you know, I, I'm huge on that and, uh, great story for him. Unfortunately, you know, uh, it was his time and he, he, he passed on and, uh, we wish him and his, or we wish his family and his friends, uh, all all the best moving forward. And, uh, again, world record holder, unbelievable story. Um, sad, sad to see another one go. I mean, served on the general George Patton too. So, um, I mean, I'm just looking at his photo of like that they use of him on like a uh, Duluth News Tribune. He just looks like a really fun guy to be around. It doesn't I look mean, doesn't look 99. No, not at all. And I mean, God bless him for playing the game that he loves so much to the very end. I mean, I was dealing with knee injuries in my teens when I was playing and I had back problems when I was 22 and I quit beer league because I couldn't handle it anymore. And that's me at a young age. This guy's yeah. playing at 99 years old where yeah. all the like issues start to pile up and everything like that. So for him to be playing as long as he did, it shows his true love for the game, his true character, his passion. And yeah, even though he wasn't like a major like player, 
just playing the game for fun, it just brings light. It just brings life into you, and that's what it did for him. So you know what? Yeah, hockey community lost a really good person, 99 years old, Mark Sertich. Our thoughts are with his family and friends right now, but he's yeah he kept he kept going he kept going and if someone at 99 can keep playing who knows what can happen right oh yeah no and uh you know hopefully uh hopefully down the road we see another story just like this because you you know these kind of stories are just uh so great to have and especially you know in a in a year like we've we've talked about a year that's been so tough on everybody that you know, it's it's good to have like these uh, heartfelt stories, and like you said, we we wish the best uh, to him, his family, his his friends, and and hopefully rest in peace. For sure, yeah. Uh, moving on, um, Reardon fired by the Washington Capitals as head coach. What are your thoughts on this? I I was I wasn't kind of expecting this to happen. I mean, usually when you think of a go- of a coaching change, you think that, like, you would expect it to happen right then and there, not like a week or so after it happened. So, like, I wasn't expecting it, but you kind of sense that maybe he was on the hot seat. And But I can understand why they let him go. Um, two years only behind the bench since Barry, Trot- Barry Trotz left. Excuse me. Um, but let's face it. The Capitals as a team went back to where they were before Barry Trotz came in. I mean, absolutely dominant during the regular season. I mean, they had a little blip in like, you know, November and October, uh, November and December, sorry, where the hot start that they had this year kind of cooled down. And then they were just absolutely average, even less than average in the playoffs. And they weren't even that great against, you know, the Islanders in their playing series. Um yeah, so as as head coach over the last two seasons, not the Islanders in their playing series, sorry, but like in their playoff matchup against yeah. the Islanders in the first round, sorry. No, that's okay. So so as head coach in the last two seasons, uh, eighty nine, forty six, and sixteen is his record. So I mean, in the regular season, so like you as you mentioned, phenomenal during the regular season. For whatever reason, you know, last year they lost in the first round, and then again this 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 time around uh didn't make it through and um you know it's just like you said i think they they almost took two steps back they won the championship you see you see uh you see um barry trotts leave and and just like that it's it's almost like that defensive coverage just wasn't the same and you know trotts is known for his his defensive uh his defensive minded uh system right so you jump to Reardon and, you know, just wasn't getting the same out of uh, maybe the back end. And it was more of an offensive minded team again. And I think as we've seen with the Leafs, uh, that, that does cost you when it comes to playoffs. And I think the the more defensive teams are the, the ones that accomplish more down the stretch. Yeah, And there's an article on Yahoo right now that I'm looking at from JG Regan, JJ Regan, sorry. Um, October 1st to December 22nd. 26, 6, and 5, 3.54 goals per game, 2.76 against, almost 22% power play, uh, 86% penalty kill, 85.7. I'm rounding up. December 23rd to March 12th, 15, 14, and 3, barely a 500 record, 
3.28 goals per game dropped, 3.44 goals against per game that rose, 17% power play that dropped significantly, and under 80%, 78.7% penalty kill. Yeah, you they took a big uh, like obviously the first half of their season it like you know it it made it seem like they're average, but but from December twenty third to March twelfth they were barely playing like they were a playoff team. And that's very concerning heading in. I honestly, I did not even think it was that bad, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I know they definitely took a step back and um, you know, sometimes you talk about wanting to have that kind of losing streak before you go into the playoffs. So you get it out of your system. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, you, you have that kind of that play heading into, I guess the layoff and then you come back from the layoff and it just, it just nothing clicked um, coming yeah. back. And, you know, I, I wasn't entirely surprised to see him go. I think uh, they were kind of looking in a different direction anyways. I, I do think that now, um, you know, teams are so quick to, to jump on coaches and, and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, it's it's a business and, and the business is winning. And, and uh, for Reardon, it just wasn't happening when it came to playoffs. So that's, you know. Unfortunate for him, but uh, you know we'll see. We'll see who takes uh, steps in and takes the takes the job, and see if they can kind of get that team back to uh, competitiveness come playoff time. And this team right now, this is their championship window to try and win another one. They're not getting any younger. No. And they probably could have used Barry Trotz right now. I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, it's obviously difficult when obviously Trotz resigned as head coach, but it's always difficult to replace a head coach, especially when you've just won a championship. So a lot of pressure on Reardon. I thought he did well for the two years that he was there, but it just clearly wasn't enough in the playoffs, especially with a team like this, where you still had your core intact, you demand results. So I'm sure he'll be behind the bench at some point again. Um, Maybe not as a head coach, maybe go back into an assistant role, but yeah, this this was a whirlwind season in terms of like head coaching and carousels and firings and stuff like that. So, yeah. And I mean, we talk about, we, we talk about it, you know, uh, in the, in the hockey world and, and coaches are recyclable. They get thrown in the pot, re- recycled, reused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no doubt that he's going to be back behind a bench at some point. Uh, as you said, it might be in an assi- assistant role. Uh, could be a head coach. Um, you know, we'll wait and see, but uh, safe to say that Reardon's going to be back at some point. Just kind of going off of that and, um, you know, people leaving the NHL for the time being. Ely Tolvanen, um, he'll be headed to Joker at the KHL just up until the Nashville season starts mm-hmm. uh, for the 2020-21 season. Um, you know, I think it's a good move for, for a young guy like that. Get him out there, get him playing. Um, I don't have much more to say about that. Uh, like I said, he'll be back for Nashville's uh national season and uh great young prospect for them so why not get him on the ice and get him playing yeah and you know not really much to be said about him because he really hasn't made that jump into the nhl but i think that this would be good for him to try and take that next step forward i mean 35 points in 58 games with the milwaukee admirals in 2018-19 and 36 in 63 games i mean he's done okay at the ahl level but not enough to warrant much of a major call-up and more ice time at the NHL level. And obviously, this is going to be good for him. 
I was really high on him as a prospect, and there's still time for him to like get to that point, but we just haven't seen it yet. And I'm thinking that the Predators are banking on this little stint to help, you know, regenerate him and get him going. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, like I said, good move for them to get him on the ice and and trying to, uh, you know, let him find his groove before they bring him back. You know, maybe get a little bit of ice time under his belt before he comes back. So that's perfect for him. Uh, moving on, um, another retirement. We had one last week. Uh, this time, uh, defenseman Mike Green retires from the mm-hmm. NHL. Uh, first round pick, 29th overall in 2004 for Washington. Had some phenomenal seasons, uh, especially early on. You know, two uh, uh, two back-to-back seasons of 70-plus points. Uh, had a career-high 76 in 2009-2010 with Washington. Um, 31 goals in 2008-2009. So a guy that obviously had an offensive mind. Uh, that said, he was also a plus 39 in, in 2009-2010. Um, you know, Great, great career for the uh, for the defenseman. Uh, maybe didn't end on the on the best note in terms of, you know, we saw a major drop off over the last couple of seasons, but um, you know, all all around solid career for him. Five hundred one points in eight hundred eighty games, and uh, you know, a guy that uh, knew how to snap it around and uh, got things done for for uh, Detroit and Washington, and in two games with Edmonton over his career. Yeah, I mean, you just bait. I mean, you took all the like stats and info away from me, so I'm trying to figure out what to say now. <laughs> um, early on, is like as soon as he hit the NHL, I mean, especially when he broke out in 2007, 2008, he was like at that moment, he was like the prototypical offensive defenseman that you know teams wanted to have, right? He was so good at moving the puck, great at like distributing it. He's got he had a really great shot. Um, just later on, he, it was just hard for him to stay healthy. I mean, looking at some of the games, especially when he was with Detroit, obviously he had 72 with Washington in 14, 15, 2015, 16, 74 with Detroit, 72 the season after that. And it just got progressively less 63, 66, 43, 48 injuries hampered him. And I think he just actually said, you know, maybe it's just time, you know? way past his prime um it was just hard for him to stay healthy and even looking at tsn's uh his bio on that page they show a list of injuries and it's a really long list that led that probably led to his decision to say hey i had a good run didn't get that stanley cup especially when you know the caps were at the pinnacle of like being one of the top teams or got to that point but uh just wishing him nothing but good vibes and a happy retirement i mean he had a really great career um, nothing more to say about that. I just wish him nothing but the best. Sticking around in the uh, the NHL, the Bruins signed goaltender Dan Vladar to a three-year extension. Um, obviously, with Rask exiting the bubble early on, uh, Vladar came in as the second goaltender, the backup for uh, Yaroslav Halak. Um, I think this is more of a move to make sure they have a goaltender under under contract for uh, when when Seattle comes into the league and and has their opportunity to choose uh, choose their team uh, in the expansion draft, but um, you know obviously Vladar had some some pretty good numbers in the uh, the minors this year and uh, in the HL and uh, you know what are your thoughts on this? 
I mean, it's a good contract. And like he said, it's just another body to have at the moment. And, you know, probably some reassurance, especially when the expansion draft happens again. I mean, teams are going to be, you know, more cautious at what to do this time around as opposed to what it was for Vegas. Um, but yeah, I mean, good deal. Nothing to say anything else, really. I mean, not saying that I'm not going to say that Tuka Rass is leaving the Boston Bruins because, as I said, he is their starter goalie. But it gives some reassurance as to what can happen in the future as well. Because, I mean, I already, I mean, not to say that, again, I think he's going to leave, but seeing some like comments. An article saying that like oh my god if he's not willing to play just already let him leave let him walk and stuff like that i mean if that's the attitude that the fans want if i'm too harassed i'm like okay see ya at the end of 2020 uh 21 I'm gonna be a free agent i'm gonna sign elsewhere if that's gonna be it right yeah but yeah, I... oh sorry go go no no go ahead go ahead oh no i was just gonna add like you know he's at seven million right now obviously someone's really gonna want his services because he's been like one of the top goalies the past few years yeah, I know for sure. And, uh, you know, for Vlader, just a, a guy that's uh, kind of been all over with the AHL, the EC, ECHL. Journeyman. Um, journeyman, for sure. Um, but, uh, like I said, great numbers with the Providence Bruins this past season in 25 games. He was 14-7-1 with three shutouts, a 179 goals against, and a 936 save percentage. So, obviously, a guy who can get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe might be more of a backup uh Tendy when he makes the uh, makes the show, but uh, like you said, a, a decent contract for a young guy, and and see how it works out and and moving forward. So, not a not a bad contract. It's a two way contract for the first two years, and then one way contract for the third year. So, they have options moving forward, and uh, I think it's a good move by the Bruins. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, moving on, um, just want to congratulate uh, Danny Ryland Kearney. Um, mm-hmm. she was awarded the sports business journals game changers award. She's the NWHL commissioner. And obviously, uh, we've mentioned it before. We'd like to get a lot more, uh, you know, women's hockey content on this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, she just, it's, it, it's an honor that goes to, uh, women setting the standard and leading the next generation in sports business. So, Something we've talked about, something that is again another big conversation that's going around in uh, in the world of sports right now. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, congratulations to Danny and uh, the NWHL is doing great. Obviously, expanded this year to Toronto. Um, I'm sure when they get underway, we'll be talking a lot about uh, the Toronto Six. But uh, great job for her, and um, you know, what an honor to to, to be uh, named uh, named to this award. Yeah, she's growing along. She's going to be a part of a long list of like, you know, major female figures that are promoting the game right now. You know, she's a real leader and game changer, and she's essential for women's hockey to get it to this point right now. Um, You know, I'm just looking at her bio right now. She's done a lot to expand the game, you know, announcing a three-year partnership with Twitch TV with NWHL partnership with Dunkin Donuts partnerships with the Boston Bruins and Minnesota wild. I mean, she's, She's set on making this a viable league and a very profitable one at that. And it, this this is going to be a lot of success for the NWHL going forward. And with her at the helm, um, the, the whole entire league is in a really good spot. And obviously, congratulations to her because that is a, a really great, you know, honor and award to win. And I'm just hoping that, you know, it keeps on going because we need more of this. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So congratulations to her. 
Um, lastly, in our little news notes here, um, you know, the Arizona Coyotes finally got uh, handed their punishment for their combine, um, their combine, I guess, whatever you want to call it, their mini camp that they had prior to combines. Um, they secret will scouting, so their to speak. secret scouting. Yeah. Um, they will forfeit two draft picks, including their 2020 second round pick and their 2021 first round pick. So, uh, you know, the NHL not taking this lightly, obviously, um, definitely doesn't help Arizona moving forward. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this? This is a team that obviously, you know, they, they still need a lot of, uh, a lot of work when it comes to drafting their own players and, and making sure that they have uh, the right pieces in place. And I think this is going to hurt them in the long run. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just when you thought things couldn't get worse, I mean, obviously this investigation has been going on since like, you know, January, February, but let's face it, this happened. This did happen under John Chica, I believe. I mean, he wasn't general manager, but I think he was still part of the organization at that point. And they should have known better and now they got to pay the price for it. Actually, um, I'm just looking at cbc.ca. There's a really great article and it's, I believe he was the GM at that time. Cause he quit just prior to the playoffs. He was the GM. Yeah. GM when the, the NHL launched its investigation in January. Yeah. So the, that uh, knowingly the... know that, that he was doing this whole secret scouting thing. He didn't think he was going to get caught. I mean, like, come on. Come on. The NHL is going to find out at some point. I mean, they have, like, a really great on-ice product right now. But they could really use those two picks. They really could. I mean, it's the second rounder for this year and the first rounder next year. Yeah, so just to give you an idea. So this, this, uh, this year's draft... Their first pick will be in the fourth round. Uh, they have a mm-hmm. fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and they have Columbus's seventh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're not picking your first pick until 111th overall. You've got 142nd, 173rd, and 204th. So, you know, hope to hell that you have some great scouting for de- depth uh, picks because right now, you know, that's not it's not looking great for them. Um, and, you know, moving forward, it's not looking any better. Um, again, they have uh, a second round, two fourths, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh in 2021. So, again, you're not picking till 34th in in uh, 2021 at this point in time. And yeah, um, you know, for a team that really needs to find some depth and really needs to be find a way to, you know, um, just kind of create their own product and, and develop their own players. Um, you know, they've they've really hurt themselves with this. They did, they were doing so well at the beginning with like Christian Dvorak, you know, um, Lawson Krauss, Clayton Keller, Barrett Hayton, Jacob Ch- uh, Chikrin, finding all these players that and they got good value for them. It's now you got to keep it going. And in a deep draft this year in the first two rounds, no picks whatsoever, even sending into the third round, no top three, no top like 100 pick this year whatsoever. Next year is a draft built on D-Man. A lot of great talent there. No first-round pick. They're going to be in a bind for the next few years. Yeah, they'll still be, you know, probably average as to where they are right now. Maybe possibly making the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. But 
it may just go downhill from here, and it's going to be really difficult for them right now. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because their first-round pick next year was also one that was moved in the uh, in, in a deal with uh, New Jersey, so... Um, for Taylor Hall. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, a, a crazy, crazy sanction that, uh, was placed on, on the team. But, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's just the NHL kind of setting the tone and letting them know that, uh, or letting all teams know that, Hey, this is not going to be accepted. And I think it's a great move by the league. I think for it sure. hurts Arizona in a big way, but, um, yeah, I, you know, we'll, we'll see if they've, they've got, uh, the uh the scouting to to make some solid uh, deep round picks but otherwise they're gonna have to find ways to try and move up in the draft i think i mean we've seen many jokes in the past about like how they're like you know nhl's favoring arizona because of that whole ownership thing issue controversy not controversy but like the whole ordeal with the ownership how the nhl is always favoring arizona trying to be a stakeholder in that as well um I guess we could put that theory out the window because they got the, they got the hammer. Like they laid the hammer on them. Moving. Um, like I said, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on it and see where this goes with them. I'm just curious to see who they gave up or who they could have had. If they kept their picks instead of doing their own secret scouting, instead of doing it like everybody else, they could have had some really great names. I'm curious to see who those names are going to be. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to look back on this uh, following both drafts. So, um, Peter, I think uh, right now would be a great time to jump over to our interview with uh, Gavin Bryant, thirty uh, seventh uh, overall pick from uh, this year's OHL Priority Draft for Owen Sound Attack. Um, let's send it over to our interview. All right. <laughs> Folks, I'm super excited to introduce 16-year-old Gavin Bryant. He was the 37th overall pick in this year's OHL priority draft to Owen Sound. Um, And Gavin, you have so much hockey ahead of you. Um, Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. And how are you today? I'm good, guys. I'm really good. Thanks a lot for having me on. It's an honor. Thank you. So like I said, uh, Gavin, you were the 37th overall pick Um, going into this year's OHL draft. There was a lot of speculation as to where you were going to go. Um, you know, some had you ranked outside the top hundred and then all of a sudden you're, you're there at 37th and a second round picked Owen Sound. What was that like for you? Uh, no, you know what? It was, it was an amazing moment for sure for not just myself, but for my family and all my friends and kind of going into the draft for sure. Like as a kid, you don't really know where to go and you don't really know if you're going to go. And I think that was really up in the air for me. And I feel like towards like towards the draft, seeing all the rankings, just, it was it was just the big thing of trying to keep it out of my head and just thinking about what ha- what's going to happen on draft day and obviously when the day came the nerves set in but uh, once Owen Sound made that call and it was official it was a really good feeling for sure and I think it was really important for uh, myself not just myself but my family and my friends and the support from them was huge that day and it was just it was an amazing day for sure. Gavin, you mentioned about you know trying to block all that uh, you know everything out of your head, like the draft rankings and everything like that. I know it's really hard to do. Um, You hear about like some of the NHL prospects that are 18, 19 years old trying to deal with that. But what's it like trying to deal with that at like 16 years old when you're a few years behind them? It's uh, it's tough for sure. For sure. It's tough because it's not really, it's not really much coming from your family, but you know, your friends, your friends can find it so easily and show it to you. 
and obviously you get a little antsy and that was, that's what the tough part about it but I think just the big thing was getting this support from my family just to kind of get it out of the way and not just my family too like teammates that I had coaches just when they saw a ranking like Jeff that just being able to say like just don't worry about it it's going to matter what happens on draft day so I think obviously those guys those NHL prospects have gone through it before and I think they're more experienced in it so that's good for them but I think it's still a really tough thing to do and I feel like it was tough for me this year at the start of the year but I kind of eased into it a bit and it really helped by the end of the year with the support from everyone. Gavin, we've talked a lot on our first few episodes about, you know, where the state of the world is at right now with COVID-19 and, and uh, you know, everybody's sort of quarantining and, and the mm-hmm. world is changing in so many ways. How did you find out that you were picked by Owen Sound? Were you following it on online or did they give you a call? What, what, take us through that process. Yeah, for sure. Um, It was, it was really cool for sure. My whole family was uh, downstairs. My dad hooked up the laptop. I think he had that laptop hooked up three weeks before the draft so and then it was on it was on it was on the big tv and yeah no the kind of picks went by and um no it came to 37 and uh I kind of saw it was the phone was ringing and I looked at the phone and I saw Owen sound attack and it just I I think I blanked out from there it was and the GM Dale DeGray called and said just some really nice things about uh me as a player and my family and everything and then ended with we're going to take you with the 37th overall pick and I looked up I looked up at the tv and my name was there and it was just I blanked out from there it was really cool like a really cool moment I think I I took one glance at my phone and it was just bombing up from there and no it was a really cool moment for sure because just getting the phone call and I think looking over my shoulder and seeing Owen sound attack on the phone was really cool and Dale talking talking me through it was just amazing for sure and it was it was just a great moment right there Speaking of the pandemic, uh, Gavin, I just want to get your take. How have you handled it so far? Because I know it's been a tough year for everybody with, you know, seasons sure. being canceled and everything like that. But like going into this next season with the OHL and Owen, uh, Owen Sound attack, like what is your training like? What is your fitness like? And just overall, like how have you been handling the situation so far? It's been uh, it's been really good as of lately. And I think that's solely because I think things are slowly starting to move on a bit. But off the start, it was tough. It was tough times for sure. Like just you couldn't you couldn't even leave the house. Like just getting to the rink was a no go, and getting to the gym was a no go. And it was just workouts from home and school from home and everything. But as it started to ease in, I could get out to the gym and eventually get on the ice, which was amazing. And even even though we have to wear masks and everything, it's just it it like it, the mask kills that just because we're on the ice, right? And um, I think mid July kind of started to heat up training wise where I was going five times a week and maybe even hitting the ice one or once or twice a week. And I think that's just continued up until now. And I think if that can keep going up until camp, that'd be huge for me. Like that's just, that's perfect. Cause I really didn't think at the start of this pandemic that I'd be this far into it at this point. Like I still feel like I'd be in a house quarantining, but no, it's really good that I've gotten out, gotten on the ice and been training at the, uh, at the gym for sure. Just want to take you back a little bit um, before, like, obviously you got drafted and, and uh, you know, before even the 99ers um, for you, like, has it always been a goal for you to kind of take that next step? Obviously, you know, growing up in Canada, you know, being, being a kid who plays hockey, that's kind of where you want to go. But I mean, it seems so much more realistic for you. Uh, no, you know what? Yeah, it was, it has always been a dream of mine. I think as a kid, you're, 
your first steps are, I guess my first steps were, okay, I got to get on skates and get playing hockey. And then I guess the next steps were making a rep team and then AAA. And then obviously at this point is now the OHL. And I think it's just, it's such a big step for me. And I was, it was a dream come true because I had grown up going to London Knights games almost every Friday night. So I had, I know I had known the league and I had always dreamed of playing in it. I never really, I just never really thought of it as a young kid just because it was just big boys out there. Like looking at guys like, uh, Bo Horvat and Max Domi, you're thinking like, oh, geez, those guys are playing in the NHL now. But no, it was always a dream of mine. And obviously coming coming into tuition this year is just amazing because it was just such a fun year. And then to top it off with this draft and where I got picked is just an amazing spot in Owen Sound. And I think it was just a dream come true for sure. Kevin, who was your favorite uh, London Knights growing up? Like, who was your favorite player? Because I remember one time I was at a Mississauga Steelheads game, or I believe it was a Branson Battalion game, and it was against the London Knights where you, they had they just got John Tavares, they had Nazem oh, Kadri, yeah. they had Kyle Clifford, John Carlson. They had a stacked lineup. So I know with the recent success the Knights have had recently, I would just want to get uh, your perspective or your take on who your favorite player was and, like, what was it like seeing those players up front and close? No, you know what? I think there was a, uh, I think there was a couple I had. I remember as a young kid, I was a big Phil Veroni fan. If you guys remember him. Oh yeah, Phil Veroni. He's still floating around somewhere. He's floating around somewhere. Last I heard, he was in the San Jose system. But anyways, like guys like him, and then going up, I I have a Horvat jersey, so I mean, I loved his game too. And then going up even more, you got the Marner Dvorak days, and I think just watching those guys as I grew up, just trying to do everything like soak soak everything you can and watching their game was just really important for me and they made it easy just because they were such good players and they had such a good organization and I think um just watching those players growing up and going to those games and seeing them in real life just gave me that gave me that extra push to say like hey look at these guys and maybe think that I could someday play in this league and I think just watching guys like that just really helped me a lot for sure sorry go ahead and penguins just a little update on that the oh, phil veroni yeah. there there you yeah. go there you go yeah so yeah <laughs> he's in the penguins yeah there you go ahl um ahl yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I believe he's in the ahl yeah um gavin just you know like you mentioned being around an ohl team like the london knights obviously a powerhouse in the ohl for so many years since the hunters took over um you know getting to see those types of players is there somebody that you kind of model your game after or are you trying to set the tone and come in as hey I'm Gavin Bryant there's only one of me um no you know what I think there's lots of guys like that I think my game is a two-way game so I really tried to look for players like that and I really I really kind of caught that in Christian Dvorak I think he really he really played a two-way game and he was just just not on the ice but I met him a few times off the ice and it was like it was so humbling meeting him because he was such a nice guy off the ice as well. And I think having the ability to play such a good two-way game, a good, like, healthy game on the ice and being an even better better guy off the ice was really important to me. And I think just watching him on the ice, watching his game very closely and just kind of modeling it off of there really helped me a lot because he's, a, he's really a, t- a type of player that I want to be in, a type of player off the ice that I'd want to be as well. Yeah, Gavin, scouring through some YouTube clips with your uh, uh, AAA days with uh, Brantford, I see, like, you know, you have an eye of, like, being that Nefra presence kind of guy going to the gritty areas in front of the net. And I saw a couple of, like, you know, really greasy goals that you scored. Is that, like, your main bread and butter that you want to be known as, getting into the hard areas on the ice? 
Thank you, by the way. But um, yeah. no, uh, yeah, I, I guess for sure that's one of them for sure. I mean, I like it's just it's just a matter of working hard for sure. I always want to mm-hmm. give it my best out there, and it, whether it's getting into the gritty areas or getting in the corners or getting in front of the net, it just it just gets me in a different mode when I'm on the ice, and I just wanna wanna go into those dirty areas, and it's just it's good for me, and I think it's good to go along with my two way game because I could just be even more of a threat that way, like even playing my two-way game. And if I'm working hard still and going, driving to the net, it really helps my game a lot. And I feel like um, if I can bring that into Owen Sound or wherever I'm playing next year, help a lot because there's bigger guys out there. And I think just keeping that same mindset would help me a lot for sure in the uh, upcoming league for sure. Gavin, I know it took a while with everything going on, but you finally got your uh, Owen Sound jersey? Yes, I did, yeah. Another special moment for sure. What was it like when that came in the mail? It was crazy. It was crazy for sure. Um, I came home from uh, I came home from work, and my dad was my dad and my sister were sitting on the porch with a little smirk on their face, and I saw a little tiny package on the uh, on the porch. So I ripped it open, and automatically the black the black Owen Sound jersey and the hat came out, and it was just it was a sight to see for sure. And I threw on the jersey, threw on the hat, looked at my parents, they were crying and it was just I couldn't I couldn't stop looking at the jersey. It was it was amazing. And I think just that kinda that kinda put me in the moment soaking in like, hey, this just happened and I think it just pushed me to work hard this summer and I think it just pushes me even more just taking a look at that jersey some of the days some of those tough days at the gym and just reminding me and letting me know that I'm that close for sure. We talk, sorry, we talked a little bit about uh, prior to the, the recording here, um, just you being the captain last season. Um, obviously, you led by example on the ice with, you know, you had uh, 40, 40 points in 31 games in the regular season for the 99ers. Um, you know, obviously an assist machine, uh, somebody that likes to set up his, his teammates. But I follow you on, on social media. I also noticed that as the draft went on, you were giving shout outs to your teammates. Um, it's not, it's not a, it's not, uh, you know, like there's a reason why you wore the C is what I'm trying to say. There's a reason why you, you wore the C last season and, you know, talk to us about what it takes to have that sort of leadership and especially going into a, a, a new, new team, a new locker room. Um, you've obviously got older teammates. What are you going to bring to Owen Sound to kind of, fulfill that leadership role that you had uh, with the 99ers last season? No, you know what? And I'm not going to change one thing because I think um, it was really important for me this year. And I think going into the season, it was in the back of my head that C or not, I wanted to be a leader of this team. And I was fortunate enough to get the C and it, it didn't change much for me because I wanted to be a guy that led by example, like you said, but off the ice as well, just including everyone being being everyone's best friend and just providing some humor and just keeping guys loose in the dressing room. And I think bringing that up to um, Owen Sound won't be hard for me because I just don't want to change who I am as a person. And I think that if they can accept me that way, then then they will because that's that's the way I'm going to be. I'm just going to be I'm just going to try and be a leader, whether it's on the ice or off the ice. And I think just given giving those shout outs that I did at the draft just were important for me because like, like you said, like it just ties into my playmaking style. Like I'd rather see another guy score a goal and celebrate before I do. Like I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been there without my teammates, their support throughout the year and just where we got as a team. And I think those little shout outs and 
getting like just texting them on a daily basis and just asking them how they're doing could go a long way just because they're so supportive in the end. And I think bringing that to one sound could be so important because these are guys that are older than me and are maybe looking, I don't know if they want to look for a quiet guy coming into the dressing room. So I think a, a loud guy, not obnoxious, but a loud guy coming in that, you know, will do whatever it takes to win and do whatever it takes to be a good leader, just leadership in the dressing room would be really important for sure. And I think we see that a lot in like today's NHL, like teams want players with like, you know, character and personality and like someone who's not very shy and reserved. And that's really great sure. that you brought that up because, you know, that could go a long way. And um, I just want to get into my next point, Gavin, do you have any like goals or expectations that you're setting for yourself this season? Um, no, you know what? I think just playing them to the best of my abilities, obviously, uh, it's still in the air if there's going to be a season or not. It's more towards that there is going to be one. But I think just some some goals in mind would just be being myself and just playing the best of my ability, just kind of blocking everything out. And I think just coming in as a rookie, you got you have no worries. You just got to go out there and perform every night and just give it give it all you have every shift. And I think if I can bring that from uh, my triple my AAA year to the OHL, and I think just keeping that same mindset would help me a lot. And I think just keeping that goal in mind of just giving it every single game, because you know there's people watching in the stands even more now, would just help me a ton for sure. Gavin, you mentioned it uh, right now. It seems like there will be a season, um, you know, down the road, whether it be in November or December. Uh, it looks like the OHL is looking to start, start up the year. But for you, I mean, coming in, as a rookie, as you mentioned, what what's it going to be like playing in an arena that quite possibly could have zero fans in it? Uh, it's going to be tough. No, it's going to be tough for sure because I think um, the, one of the main selling points in uh, for the Owen Sound Attack is their fans. They are very passionate fans, and it, when you have passionate fans, it's just a given that it gets the players going for sure. But I think it, it could be tough to start, but I think players could get used to it because after all, look at the NHL. They're usually used to 10,000 plus people in the stands watching them and heckling them and cheering for them and all. And they're doing it right now. And some teams are making it on and could go the whole playoffs or will go the playoffs with no fans. But I think it could take a couple games getting used to, especially for those older players because they're used to it. But I think as it goes, as it goes on in the long run, it'll obviously be tough for sure. Even when middle of the season hits, but I think uh, it'll just soak in because you're just playing the game of hockey and you're just, out there looking but it'll definitely suck for sure because I feel the fans of Owen Sound are very passionate I feel if there weren't allowed fans in the arena and especially the Bayshore arena it'll be tough on that community for sure yeah it's very difficult especially since the players feed off the fans energy but even when you're seeing some of the games right now you know I think it was just the other night or the first game against uh, Dallas and Colorado, Alexander Radulov jumps into the glass thinking that there are fans there, you know, it's, yeah, it's that... there should be, there should be thousands of Dallas fans sitting there banging the glass with him. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's still surreal that we're still expecting it or seeing this right now. Yep. Oh yeah. No, for sure. The NHL did a pretty good job though with it. It kind of, kind of blocks off the seats a bit, so it's not too bad, but. What would it be like for you? I think if, uh, you know, all of a sudden the OHL decides to do two hub cities the, the same way the NHL that did and try and run it the same way. I mean, obviously you said it, it seemed to work for the NHL. 
No, yeah, for sure. I, I feel like it'd, uh, it'd definitely be a good thought for sure because look at the NHL and, for example, the NBA as well. Like, there's no there's no cases or anything, and it's still, honestly, I'm going to say it, it still looks like good hockey, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. like I thought going into the seat, like going into the playoffs, I thought it was going to be a bit iffy, but it's still, it's still hockey and you're still going to get the top players in the world gunning for the Stanley cup there. So I think if the OHL did think of doing that and were to do that, I think it'd work effectively for sure. Obviously I think it'd take a few games to get the pace going and obviously with no fans as well, but by the end of it, I think it would help for sure. Cause I think there would be no cases first of all. And I think you'd still get good hockey in the end. And if they could set up, television for the fans still to watch at home and be huge for sure going off that Gavin you know I my understanding is you're a Leaf fan um yes what did you (laughs) what were your feelings we're obviously a a Toronto hockey podcast um what were your feelings about the Leafs this uh this playoff this little five game play-in series heartbroken yeah I was absolutely (laughs) heartbroken because I feel like oh Game four, that comeback was amazing, and I feel like there is no way in heck we are losing game five. No way in heck, but then again, I forgot that John Tortorella was coaching the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it was, yeah, it was heartbreaking for sure, but hey, what we we got to say all the time, we'll, we'll get them next year for sure. That's right. <laughs> I mean, on the plus side of that, I mean... I mean, really, there is no plus side, but it gives them an opportunity to, like, you know, reevaluate everything that they have right now, you know, fix the sure, holes and sure, yeah. uh, try to regroup and, you know, come back with a better on ice product for the following season. So I guess kind of a blessing in disguise, but still, you know, we want to see them, you know, succeed no matter what. No, exactly. I feel I'm hoping they'll have a lot of tricks up their sleeve this offseason for sure. Well, Gavin, like I said, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Obviously, we are um, super happy that you came on and, and took the time to, to talk with us. Um, last, before we let you go, I just wanted to read off a couple names of former Owen Sound attack. Uh, Wayne Simmons, Mark Giordano, Josh Bailey, Bobby Ryan, Joel Ward, uh, Paul Biznasty, Bissonette, and now <laughs> Gavin Bryant. So... Um, congratulations, obviously, on, on your, uh, your being drafted to the Owen Sound Attack. Again, it was a privilege to have you on here and, and just talk some hockey. And, uh, you know, we look forward to watching you play in the OHL next year. Hope to do it again. Absolutely. Love to have you back on, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, buddy. Have a good night, eh? You guys too. So, Peter, wonderful interview with uh, Gavin. Um, you know, what a great kid, 16 years old. And just I, I said this to you after the interview and, you know, just listening to how modest this kid is. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a great pick for Owen Sound. I think he's going to fit in well there. Um, you know, it, it, I always love talking to the uh, talking to these guys, the young kids coming up, the ones who are just trying to chase a dream. You know, I've been able I've been privileged privileged enough to go to the the NHL combine a few times and and talk to some of these guys who just you know they haven't made it yet but they're working their way up and I always love talking to them before they make that uh, those big contracts because you still get to see the see the kid that just loves hockey in them yeah I mean and that's what I got that was the first thing that I got from him he's very like outgoing very open um, and I think that's like, as a young kid going into the o- OHL, I mean, even he touched up on this, 
he doesn't want to be like you know shy and reserved going into like you know a like another league where like players are older than him he wants to make an impact you know he doesn't want to be just another player in a locker room he wants to make a name for himself and hearing what he had to say i think the way and the way that he talked with us i think he has the potential to be a real leader earning a letter assistant captain possibly uh who knows i mean he was the captain of uh the branford 99ers so anything's possible and i I, again, he's, he's really nice kid. Really yeah, I can't no, say anything bad about that. I think the one thing that really stood out for me was just when he said, you know, I'm not going to change anything about my game. I'm going to go in there and just, uh, you know, be myself, play my game. And, you know, that's the kind of attitude you want to hear. You don't want to see a guy go in there and try and be something that he's not. So I think it's a perfect opportunity for him. I think Owen Sound's a great place for him to play. Um, obviously, some... Some great players have have gone through that system, and uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what he's going to do for Owen Sound next year, and uh, hopefully he has all the success in the world. Absolutely, I mean, with the way that I like like I said in, during our interview, I've seen clips of him online. The way that he's played, the way that he conducts himself, I hope he like you know even represents Canada nationally, you know. U-17s, U-18s, World Juniors. He has the potential to do that. And I'm I'm rooting for him all the way, 100% right now. Yeah, so um, obviously great interview, great guest. Um, you know, we're going to move on right now to what most people are tuning in here to listen to. Um, Maple Leafs talk. Obviously, we've had a big trade this, this past week. Um, you know, the Leafs trade Kasperi Kapanen and two... You know, to I don't know if you want to call them prospects or 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 um, you know just fringe players to Pittsburgh in return for a first round pick, as well as you know a couple prospects and, and one that really got my attention was Niles Hollander and uh, you know Dubis came out and said that he was very high on this uh, this prospect when his draft year was and. Uh, you know, was interested in picking him, but picked Durzen over top of him. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it just, I think it's a great move. It opens up some cap space. Uh, and I think, you know, it was time to t- time to move Kapanen and, and see what we can do with, with uh, some of the young guys in our system. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to correct you, but it's Philip Hollander. We don't want to get from the S- Sorry, yes, you're right. System. No, I appreciate um, <laughs> that. I appreciate that. No, 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 no worries. I mean... I'm just not to say that like obviously Kapanen was going to be on the way out. I think he was like at the fore, forefront of him being one of the first players to be gone. When I saw that return, I was actually kind of surprised that Dubis was able to like, you know, get a really good prospect. Probably he was top 3 in the pit, in the Penguin system. And not only that, we have a first round pick right now. We like obviously our first round pick was up in the air because of the whole Patrick Marlowe thing being sent to the Carolina Hurricanes. It's well, it's still not set because he can still trade that pick away. But a 15th pick overall right now, that is going to be a game changer for Toronto. I think if we hang on to that, it's going to be really, really good. That to me was like the most important thing for him. And I think he was trying to get that with Kapanen possibly like for the longest time right now because i know that he's talked to many teams but the first round pick and hollander i mean you could say that evan rodriguez he could be a depth player but 
the prospect and the pick are by far the most important pieces right now. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, you know, the 15th overall pick could be something that is used to, to, uh, you know, maybe make a bigger trade for a guy for the back end. Um, that being said, the Leafs could use the 15th overall pick and, and maybe draft another, another player for their depth chart and, and kind of start building from within. We talked about with the Arizona thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, you want to, you want to be able to draft your players, keep them in your system and, and build your system and build your development, um, through the draft. So I think, I think it'd, it'd be a great opportunity for, for them to, to draft their own player, um, you know that said, there's a lot of a lot of uh, great talent out there that uh, you know Toronto Toronto could pick up on the back end, and um, you know you, you said it. I don't I don't think Rodriguez will make the Leafs um, only because I think the reason they move Kapanen is to make room for some of the young guys, anyways. So mm-hmm. you know we talked about, and I think episode one, um, you know, is, is Nick Robertson a guy that could make the Leafs next year, and I think this opens up a great opportunity for him uh in in training camp and oh for sure to see if he's got he's got what it's what it takes to make it i think on top of that like you said philip hollander great uh great pickup solid prospect um kind of that two-way minded player that Mm -hmm. uh can play both ends of the ice and uh you know he has some size to him as well um i think another underrated pickup was defenseman david warsawski which just kind yeah. of adds that little bit of you know five six defensemen for for toronto if they do look to move one of their guys mm-hmm. say they move a dermot say they move um you know i i don't know what a, a dermot or or even let's throw um, a little grin in there just to make yeah, it just more interesting little grin like even if they move somebody like that You've got the you've got the extra defenseman now that you can kind of fill that spot for the time being until you until you find that piece that fits in properly. So, I think it was a solid return for the Leafs. I think you know in what they gave up Pontus Aberg and and Jesper Lindgren, you know not not major players and uh, fringe players at that maybe maybe never make the NHL. So it'll be like I you know you can say this about any trade. It's going to be great to look back on in a couple of years and see where where things pieces have fallen into place. And, uh, but as of right now on paper, I think Toronto got the better end of the deal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, going off uh, a little side note here about Hollander, JD Burke, editor at elite prospects calls him a swift army knife type of player with utility in both phases of special teams, meaning five on five power play penalty kill. That's what the team needs. And I think uh, Dubas also mentioned about his compete level, how, how his upside and how he's always battling for the puck. That's what the least lacked, especially when we saw that in the Columbus series. Obviously, you saw that with one line, but all the other lines were just, you know, bland. You didn't have anybody going into the corners battling for the puck. And I think Hollander could be that kind of player. But on top of that, I made a comment on Twitter where I compared this deal to the Blake Coleman trade with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New Jersey Devils. Obviously, I think Blake Coleman is a better player than Kasperi Kapanen, but you got the same value for a player like Blake Coleman who could get you 30, 40 points, who's, you know, a top nine, top six kind of guy, but managed this whole entire year and you still managed to get the same value for that. Obviously, everyone's calling it a fleece. Um, 
in in regards to the return, I think it is. This will this was like knowing what Kapanen did in the latter half of the season, knowing his impact that he was supposed to make in the top six really didn't cut it out. And you got a first top prospect and some really good depth pieces. Yeah, Dubis is off to a really great start so far. Yeah, and like you know, I think you mentioned it. Uh, he Dubis also said he's not going to be not not done yet this off season. Oh, um, far from it. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a long long off season for the Toronto players waiting to see if their name is called and uh, if not uh, obviously going into next season it's gonna be a changed team it's gonna be a different lineup than what we're used to but uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here uh, as as mentioned they opened up a lot of cap space three point two million for the next two seasons with um, with Kapanen leaving um, obviously Kapanen headed back to the team that drafted him. And uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do in you know it'll be tough to see him in a top six role over there but uh, even if he does make the top six role it'll be interesting to see what he can do with some of those players in Pittsburgh um, sure. a guy that's got the talent just has a hard time putting all the pieces together uh, otherwise you know he's he did what he he was required to do in Toronto and it just mm-hmm. was his time to go so I think I think it's going to be an exciting off season for Toronto. Um, also worth noting, I did have, um, Philip Hollander written in my notes here. I don't know why I had Niles Hoglander on my, on my <laughs> mind, but, uh, you know, Wish we had the Canucks pick. That's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great deal for Toronto and, um, you know, kind of going off of what Dubas said and not being done. There has been some speculation that he is exploring the market for, you know, um, Anderson and uh, Andreas Janssen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, if he moves Anderson, he's going to have to find a way to get a goaltender in return, or or look at the free agent market for Toronto or for goaltenders and make a big splash. Um, as for Janssen, I think it's another cap move where you know he's he's a young player with with some upside that uh, will open up not only cap space but uh, some room for some of the younger players to to take that next step in the in the organization. So. Uh, two guys that are key players for Toronto right now, but could be on the move this offseason. Yeah, if you were able to get a first-round pick for Kapanen, could you try and get the same for Andreas Janssen? Even if it's a pick for next year, where it's like loaded up on defensive talent, and obviously great forward prospects as well, but next year's a draft of defensemen. Toronto already has, I believe, maybe a 22nd, 20. They're in like a, a 20 to 24 range for next year, possibly. If pick, obviously you don't know what team it's going to be. You don't know where they're going to end up. But if that pick ends up being another first round and it's a top 20, there's a lot of great defensemen to be had in the top 20 right now. So a lot of interesting discussions right there. Um, I want to pose a question to you. Who gets moved first, Janssen or Anderson? I think Janssen, um, you know, I think a 25-year-old, smaller guy, but he's got he's got all the tools. He plays a little bit of a grittier game for a small guy. And, you know, he's got um, – he averages a half a point a game. So, you know, he's he's a guy that has, has the talent. Obviously, um, you know, injuries come into play there, and I think that that hurts him a little bit, hurts his, his – 
um, what we might get in return for him. But mm-hmm. I think there's more of a market out there for a player like that where I, I think Dubas is going to be really safe with, with moving Anderson because he's going to have to find a replacement. And right now, the Leafs don't have that replacement in the system. They have to find, you know, is Jack Campbell a starter? I don't think so. I think he's got the ability to maybe maybe start 30 games in the year and put up some decent numbers. I don't think he's a guy that's going to go out there and steal games for you. So if you're going to move Anderson, you have to be prepared to to have somebody in place to take over for him. Especially right now, you're you're in the you're in the prime for for a lot of these guys that you have. Your top six. This is the prime for Tavares. This mm-hmm. is the prime for for Marner and Matthews. These guys are just getting into that spot where you have you have a window that's wide open. So if yeah. you're going to move Anderson, you you better be prepared to have somebody take over for him. You can't just move him and expect, you know, the goalie market is like running backs in the in, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a good one, you're going to hold on to him for that that length of his career where he's going to be in his prime. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, you might as well shut the window, pack up and, uh, you know, get ready for your next window to open because this uh, right now is the time for for Toronto. And I think uh, you have to have a goaltender in place that has the ability to start games. For sure. I mean, I'm looking at the list of FAs possible right now on Cap Friendly. Um, there's Alexander Georgiev. I don't know exactly if, you know, he's someone that the Leafs could look at. He's a free agent. I believe he's an RFA. I really, oh my God, it's right in front of me. Okay. Yeah, so he is an RFA. I'm blind as a bat. I need my glasses even for a computer staring at me in the face right now. Um, He's an RFA. Matt Murray's an RFA. You could try and swing a deal with the Penguins again. I mean, a lot of people were talking, hoping that Matt Murray would come in that deal with Kapanen. But in terms of UFAs, uh, Jacob Markstrom, 30 years old, doing pretty well with Vancouver. Obviously, I think he resigns there because I think either it's going to be him or Thatcher Demko for the goalie for the future. They have a choice to make. I honestly think Markstrom does resign until Demko becomes that guy in net. Braden Holpe... I'm not sure you're willing to fork over either the same amount of money after the inconsistencies he's had. I mean, if you're looking for a goalie, Thomas Grace is 34, still doing pretty well. Robin Later, 28, $5 million cap hit. If you could try and sign him at the same deal, that could be worthy if you decide to move on from Anderson. So there are options even for the following year, 2021, 2022. So let, let me pose this question to you. Do you think the yeah. Leafs maybe moved uh, Laner a little too quickly? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know I mean, what I mean? I think that was being said, like, previously before. I mean, it's it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because they had a capable starter right then and there. Obviously, they probably wanted to give Campbell and, you know, Anderson that opportunity and it worked out Campbell did play pretty well but let's face it but then again Leonard has arguably a better defense in front of him that way he doesn't have as much pressure on him 100 
100 years old and everything like that. So, obviously, I think they did, like, pull the trigger a little too quickly to flip him over. But I thought Leonard probably would have done a good job. Probably could have been a difference maker in that series. Yeah, I think uh, for me right now, I think I would stay clear of of a guy like Matt Murray. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think injuries right now, he's, he's... He's kind of like that Andreas Janssen where he's been on the on the injury uh, injury list far too many times over his short career and um, obviously young, obviously talented, but uh, definitely a guy that you just got to be careful with. Um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go after him, make sure you're getting him for the right price because you don't want to pay a guy that's gonna be sitting out most of the games that he's supposed to be starting either. For sure. Yeah, no, and I totally agree. I mean, then. You have an asset wasted if you do make that move for him because you don't know exactly how it's going to pan out. Yeah, I know exactly. A lot of uh, a lot of outcomes, a lot of scenarios, a lot of questions. But until it happens, then we can start discussing. Until then, we can just theorize about everything. But hey, this is this is great talk. This is. This is like this is what like fuels the off season. All these questions, all these what ifs, ands, buts. It's it's this is the kind of talk that like gets everybody going. This is why we do this on our on our weekends. Get For up sure. early and yeah. talk hockey and shoot uh, shoot around some some theories of what could be uh, come next season. Uh, but speaking of questions. Um, last week's quarantine question was uh, in regards to Nazem Kadri and, and whether or not he would have benefited under Sheldon Keith uh, the way the, the same way that he has under Bednar in, mm-hmm. in Colorado. Um, 62.1% of our uh, voters said that, yes, he is a changed player, that he would benefit under a guy like Sheldon Keith. Um, obviously, 37.9% said no. The move to move to Colorado was the best move for him. So, um, you know, 60% uh, think that had we kept um, Kadri for this season, that uh, he would have been a guy that could have been helped us it, it come playoff time. But you know, it's hindsight's 2020, and yeah. You know, we we can we can argue that one to the bone as well. And uh, there's no no guarantee that any of us would be right. 100%. I mean, there's again, like you said, hindsight 2020. Who knows? Maybe he could have like done the same thing to Nick Foligno. Another suspension gone for possibly the whole entire series, right? We don't know. But honestly, I think if Bednar was able to get to Kadri and probably say, hey. Go out and do your thing, but you know what? Keep it under control. I don't think necessarily maybe Babcock had that talk with Kadri, but you would know that Keith is a player first kind of coach, and he would probably have that conversation with Kadri to try and get him to his untapped potential and not do those stupid things. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um and and just kind of going off of that, uh you know, our quarantine question for this week, just a little fun one for us. What is the best name, player name in the NHL currently? I was just watching the highlights. For me, Oof. I got to say one that really catches my attention is Zach Whitecloud in Vegas. I just, I love that last name, Zach Whitecloud. Uh-huh. Um, 
for me, that's got to be one of them, either that or Slater Cook Cook. Those are really good options. I mean, those are really good. Um, can we use prospects? Go for it. I, I'm sorry. I love Gunnar Wolfontaine, man. Gunnar that Wolf is Fontaine. just. That is obviously it's not in the NHL, but come on, that sounds like a name out of Game of Thrones. Yes, it does. Yeah, like, it does. I, you really like Gunnar Wolf. <laughs> if that doesn't strike fear into your opponents, I don't know what would. That to me, I think is probably one of the best names in, in the draft, and possibly could be for the NHL for years to come. I don't know, but that that's just me. That's just me. Well, we'll throw it out to our our listeners and uh, throw it up on the Twitter page and hopefully uh, get some good responses and uh, we can discuss it next week. Um, you know, speaking of next week, we do have uh, some great guests coming up in the pipeline here, Peter. Um, really looking forward to what we have coming. Uh, I think, you know, if people enjoyed the Gavin Bryan interview, uh, stay tuned because uh, it, it's, it's going up from here. And, um, you know, we look forward to having as many people on as we can. Uh, like we said, we started this as just something that, you know, give us a chance to kind of talk Leafs, talk hockey in Toronto, talk, mm-hmm. you know, talk the game of hockey and, uh, it's, it's really taken off. And yeah, uh, we, like I said, we've got some great, uh, great guests coming up. We'll, we'll talk the draft. We'll talk the Kapanen trade. We'll talk, you know, anything and everything, uh, Toronto hockey and moving forward. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun, fun show, um, over the next little while anyway. I kind of feel like a kid on Christmas with the guests that we have coming up right now. Like, it's yeah. just, like it's so exciting. Like, I'm really happy that we're able to have them on. Like, you don't understand my excitement level right now. It's it's beyond, like, you know, getting a bike for Christmas or getting a puppy, you know? Like, I'm at that stage where I'm like, you know, I'm 10 years old. I want to know what Santa got me. And I'm pretty sure uh, the listeners out there are probably interested on who we have. But you know what? You got to listen. 100%. Listen in. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, before we close out here, Peter, do you have anything else you want to add to, to this week's show? Um, Kind of like a you blew it moment or like a bloop bloops kind of thing from, uh, you know, not to rip off uh, SC with Jay and Dan, but uh, kind of like our broken sticks moments where, you know, we're spitting out like a lot of facts, a lot of names, stuff that, you know, we we know we said wrong, but, you know, it is what it is. Last week, I was telling the story about how I met Bob McKenzie. I said the World Junior Summer Showcase. That's in August. I was in the selection camp in December. So it was a selection camp where I met Bob McKenzie. And today's interview with Gavin Bryant, um, the interview, uh, and I went back to another story where there was a possible game between the London Knights. I confirmed it. It was the Brampton Battalion. And I said that Kyle Clifford was on the London Knights. He's in Barry, way two different parts of Ontario, <laughs> Brampton. And please forgive me. That was nine years ago. I did my best. Hey, that's all we can ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, we'll definitely, uh, you know, whenever we can, we'll, we'll obviously correct ourselves. Uh, we want to have our facts straight. We want to have our name straight. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, we're spitting out facts. We're spitting out names. We're spitting out stats. Uh, we're on here for an hour. Um, Hoglander. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure. I'm <laughs> Sorry, sure. No, I don't mean to bring that up, but no, it goes it goes along well with my Apple Tunes. Hey, perfect. So um, I think we're at like two and two. Yeah, two and two. 
two and two. two, and two. two three, That's all right. <laughs> maybe three for me. Um, yeah, maybe three. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely something that we we uh, you know if you hear anything and you want to discuss it, uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter. Peter, where can they find you? At P Barracchini, P B A R A C C H I N I. Or you can find me on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes. Um, you can find us both on the Hockey Writers. Be sure to read our stuff. Be, be sure to check us out. Um, hit us up on Twitter for the podcast at Sticks in the Six. S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E 6-I-X-P-O-D at Sticks in the Six Pod. Um, you know, throw out questions. Ask us, you know, if you want to, if you want us to discuss something on the pod, definitely uh, let us know. Um, otherwise, head over to iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate our show, um, you know, listen in. Have your say, guys, because this is this is why we do it. We want to we want to hear from you guys. We want to talk about it. Um, and you know, this is, this is our Saturday and Sunday morning. So, mm-hmm. um, hope, hope you guys enjoy the, the, uh, Gavin Bryan interview this week. Uh, like we said, we'll have a lot of guests coming up. Um, otherwise continue the conversation. Absolutely. Continue talking about what's going on in sports and going on in the world. It's important. Um, you know, educate yourself, talk about it, ask mm-hmm. questions. That's the only way that uh, things will change and things need to change. So until next time, until next week, thank you again for listening in. I'm Andrew Forbes. And I'm Peter Barracchini. Have a great night, folks. Have a good one.